Being a chef means keeping your cool in the kitchen. And with Resi Priority Notify and Global Dining Access through my Amex Platinum card, right this way, it's nice to try someone else's food for a change. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. I'm Hannah Storm, and my new podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, chronicles my six decades in professional basketball, from growing up in the sport to becoming one of sports TV's first female broadcasters. Join me as I dig deep into the game's history, unearth some wild stories, and talk to my friends from the world of basketball, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley. It's been a wild ride, and now I get to take you with me. Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storm on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. More Than a Movie is back with Season 2. I'm your host, Alex Fumero. And each week, I'm going to talk to the people behind your favorite movies. From The Godfather, Andy Garcia. He has the smarts of Vito, the temper of Sonny, the warmth of Fredo, and the coldness of Michael. To the legend behind La Bamba, Lou Diamond Phillips. When I walked in, I didn't think I had a shot at Richie because John Stamos' picture was already up on the wall. Listen to more than a movie on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. This is the Lombardi Line with former NFL executive Michael Lombardi. Now here is your host, Femi Abebefe, on VSIN, the sports betting network. It's a great day to be alive, and it's a great day to be a better. Welcome inside to the VEASAN studios here at the Circa Resort and Casino in downtown Las Vegas. This is the Lombardi Line presented by BetMGM. Femi Abebefe alongside Michael Lombardi here on this Friday post-game one of the NBA Finals. Michael, how we doing, man? We're doing good, Femi. We're doing good. You know, uh, it was uh, – I thought it was an interesting game. I- I'm sure the narrative is going to go that the the – Heat have no chance, and this is going to be over in four or five. But uh, I thought there's there's a lot in that game that that can be certainly taken away. And and one of the main components to me was how great Jokic was. I mean, twelve shots. You know, I I actually was dumb enough, Femi, yesterday on the show to discuss that to bet his under nine and a half assist, to- assist totals because Ooh. I thought wrongly that they would try to force him to be the scorer and not the distributor. And that was completely wrong. Now, it's interesting. We're going to get into the game here. We want to tease what we have coming up on the next two hours, though. But that's an interesting point because I was actually on the opposite end of that bet there. But coming up in 30 minutes, Mo DeKeel of Bleacher Report and The Athletic to help us break down game number one and preview game number two coming up on Sunday. And then one hour from right now, Vinny Mayulo, Hall of Fame odds maker over at the South Point Hotel and Casino, will join us in his usual spot. We'll talk NBA Finals and also Stanley Cup Final as well. Game number one right down the street at T-Mobile Arena coming up tomorrow. Then Matt Humans at 10.30 West Coast time, 1.30 Eastern. Talk all things betting here. Matt Humans, of course, the host of VEASAN tonight, Monday through Friday, 9 to midnight Eastern and 6 to 9 West Coast time. But that's interesting, though, because... I, my only bet in the game last night, because I didn't think the side or the total had a whole lot of value there. I kind of leaned to the over, didn't really feel comfortable with it, so I didn't play it. Thought Denver would win, but I thought nine, nine and a half was a little too many points. So I ended up playing the Jokic over nine and a half assists there. And I thought that Miami would try to give him a few different looks, maybe double him because he has the size advantage over Bam Adebayo, or maybe even throw that zone at him that they threw at Boston that worked so well. That was my only thought heading into the series was, if they throw the zone at Jokic, he's going to cut that up because he's probably a top three passer in league history, and he led the Nuggets to that 104-93 victory in game one as they have a 1-0 series lead. Yeah, I mean, look, he did everything, except he didn't have to shoot very much. The volume of shots was only, he only took 12 shots. And I I do think, though, the Heat had a lot. I mean, Struess doesn't make a shot the entire game. Caleb Martin, who was a key component to to them getting to this point, had a horrendous night, had a horrendous first half. I mean, how about this, Femi? And I'm not complaining about the officiating, but the reality is Miami only went to the line twice. Mm -hmm. I mean, how many NBA games do you ever see a team that, that goes to the line two times? Well, I mean, they were shooting threes. They were chunking up threes. But my point is, when they didn't shoot well, I I thought the second half they played better. They played more like the Heat. But, you know, the the length of Denver gave them trouble. I think the adjustment to Denver's talent 
gave them trouble in the first half. Uh, I 100% agree with that. I think it was almost like a little bit of a shock to the system of after seven games of playing Boston and their kind of individual style of basketball, it's like, oh, we're playing a team that's going to move the ball around and make us work because Denver, they really do a good job of making the ball do the work. You know, instead of pounding it and dribbling all, they pass it around and they try to find those open looks and they got a lot of good looks there. But the point that you brought up though about Miami's free throws, only two of them last night, which it seems insane, I almost wonder if, is that Miami wasn't as aggressive as they needed to be. And I don't know if it's the altitude. I know that's always a storyline whenever you talk about a Denver series. And that first game, a lot of folks who played there, they said, hey, you need a little bit of an adjustment in that first half. We saw it in the Western Conference Finals where the Lakers played poorly in the first half and kind of made a late rally to make it look close, ultimately losing that game. But I almost wonder if Miami kind of needed to adjust to getting their, their legs underneath them and, and maybe be a little bit more aggressive as we turn the page to game two. Maybe I'm sure they'll get to the line a lot more than just two times. Well, I mean, look, they, they missed shots. I mean, Struess was 0 for 9. I mean, how many corner threes did he have wide open? Mm-hmm. I, I mean, Caleb Martin was 1 for 7. I, I, you know, I mean, like there was nobody making shots. I mean, Highsmith in the second half gave him a, really a lift, but – I think when you're two guys you're counting on to create spacing on the court, to create the dimensions that you need to challenge Denver, to keep pace with Denver, you know, when they combine for a 1-16, for are you going to win that game? I don't think so. So I don't think it's altitude at all. I think they shot poorly. And, you know, it's pretty fair to say that Caleb Martin may have come back to life. He was shooting at a 60% clip mm-hmm. in during the, the Boston series. Now he might have come back to what is a normal standard NBA three-point shooting clip. Yeah, he was having an out-of-body experience against the Boston Celtics with the way that he was shooting the ball. What did you make of the way Denver defended Miami? Because Bam Adebayo, it almost felt like Denver was like, we're okay giving Bam Adebayo as many shots as he wants. He took 25 shots yesterday. Like He's a really good player, but he's more known for his defense versus his offense. 13 of 25, a nice stat line, 26 points, 13 boards, 5 assists. But I think Denver's plan of, hey, we're okay with Bam beating us as long as it means Jimmy Butler is not the one that's taking the shots. I, I think this. I, I think that the, the, what we saw last night was an old-fashioned – reason why you have a grading system, whether it's in basketball or football, because as the great buddy Ryan says, there's a place in football for the little man. It's just not in front of the big man. And last night it was a game about big men versus little men. Mm-hmm. It was Aaron Gordon saying, I'll do whatever I want in the first quarter. Cause you can't guard me. It was Michael Porter who didn't even shoot well from the three. He took 11 threes. He only made two of them. But he scores 14 points and he gets 12 rebounds. I mean, and block shots. I The size of Denver, and I don't know if Spolstra has anything in his kit to handle that. The size, the length of Denver is a real issue. And so for me, it was deeper than, you know, we got to make a few adjustments. This length is a problem. And when you don't hit shots – and the length bothers you going to the rim, which is why they only had two free throws. It's a problem. Yeah, I think their size, that's what jumped off the screen to me when you watch them play there. Like, they're, they're just a big physical team that's really athletic. Their guards are big as well. The front line, of course, is very big. And it's interesting because I almost think that in all the talk in the lead up to this is everyone discussed how we've been underrating the Miami Heat. And we have. Like, they were the eight seed. They've been a big underdog in at least two of the three series that they've won up to this point there, and they definitely were underrated. But I think along the way, despite being the one seed in the Western Conference, we've also underrated Denver. And it was interesting hearing LeBron James talk after Game 4 of the Western Conference Finals after the Lakers got swept. He said that this is the best team that I've faced since I've been on the Lakers. Like, and like they had won wow. the finals and stuff, and like they had been to multiple playoff runs and all that. He said, this is the best team that I've faced since we've been here. And I think that's kind of coming to fruition. Not saying that this series is over, not saying any of that stuff, but I think we've been underrating Denver. They've almost been like kind of this juggernaut hiding in plain sight. Well, yeah, I mean, they got the best player in the league on their team who doesn't need a a volume of shots. He doesn't need 20 shots to score 27 points. He did it with 12 shots. And then he dishes 14 assists. And, the, you know, they cut so well to the hoop. I mean, they're one of the best cutting teams in the league. So when you do want to engage in man-to-man, you better be tight because he'll – I mean, some of the passes he makes are just remarkable. Yeah. Yeah, I, I, I don't dispute that. I, I think, to me, 
for for Miami to win, Miami has to have great shooting nights. And their shooters, whether it's Duncan Robinson, whether it's you know Max Struess, whether it's Caleb Martin, they've got to shoot well or else this is going to end quickly because in Eric Spolster's toolbox, there's not a lot of tools. You know, we keep saying make adjustments, make adjustments. Well, one of the reasons it's hard to make adjustments in sports is when the other team has bigger players, more athletic players. It's harder. What what do you go to? What do you do? And this game, too, will be an interesting one because Spolster's going to raise the level of intensity to where it was in the second half, and they got to count on shooting better. It's it's like the you know, the notion that they went to Top Golf, the Celtics, <laughs> and that's what got them back in the Miami series. You know, no, they shot better. Yeah, and that's a team that shoots a lot of three pointers there. I think the adjustment for the Miami Heat is to try to get bigger between now and Sunday. <laughs> like, that's the adjustment that they got to try to make there. I, I don't know if they can do that. <laughs> yeah, that's the can. problem. I mean, and as betters now, to me, I, I think what we have to look to as betters in a betting network is we've got to say to ourselves, is where where are the where are the the voids that we can creep into is you know we know the sweep numbers probably etched up the five game numbers etched up there's probably mm-hmm. not a lot of value in those numbers and where do we gain that i mean you know we see it here denver's plus 210 to go to win it in five i mean that's probably a pretty good number plus 300 to sweep still a good number right I would think so. And Do you believe- think Miami can win? You know, I'm not giving the series up, but I think to me this is the only – if you're going to go game to game here as a better, I think you're in a lot of trouble because if you look over the history of the series between Denver and Miami, Denver has dominated. They've covered, I think, 11. Now it's 10 of the last 11. The series price indicates that this might be a runaway for Denver. I mean, the Nuggets right now minus 700. Miami coming back the other way at 5-1 to one to come back and win this series. I think that's probably the proper adjustment. I know last night there were some places that had minus 1,000 on Denver. I was like, that seems a little aggressive because if they were to lose game two, Miami would then have home court advantage going back home tied at 1-1. But I think the way you play this series is if you if you think Miami can be competitive over five and a half games, I think is how you do that. I think that's still at plus money, plus 105 over at BetMGM. I think this ends in five, just my personal opinion, because I have too much respect for Eric Spolstra and Jimmy Butler to think that they just get swept out of there. And, and you know, it's I think they can come up with something and there'll be a game where they do make those three pointers. But based on what we saw last night, it's hard for them to go ahead and stop Jokic because they have such a size advantage, in particular with the best player in the league to where he might be able to just get whatever he wants. I mean, the triple-double last night, he just showed you why he's as good as he is and is a two-time MVP. Oh, by the way, most assists in the finals debut for Nikola Jokic with 14. We'll talk some more NBA finals, but on the other side, we'll get to the news and notes from around the National Football League. This is the Lombardi Line presented by BetMGM. There's no distance too far for the perfect trip. Hi, checking in for... Or the perfect table. Hey, where are you? Coming! And when you get access to Resi Priority Notify with your Amex Platinum card. Hey, this looks amazing. I'm so glad you made it. And travel benefits at fine hotels and resorts booked through Amex Travel. It's worth the trip. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. More Than a Movie is back with season two of the award-winning film podcast. And this time with a lot more movies. I'm your host, Alex Fumero, and each week I'm going to talk to the people behind some of my favorite movies. From The Godfather, Andy Garcia. He has the smarts of Vito, the temper of Sonny, the warmth of Fredo, and the coldness of Michael. To the OG spy kid, Alexa Penavega. You had Carlo Gugino, who's the coolest mom ever. You had Antonio, who's handsome, amazing, charismatic, and then Carmen and Juni. I felt like a lot of other kids felt like this could be me. To the legend behind La Bamba, Lou Diamond Phillips. When I walked in, I didn't think I had a shot at Richie because John Stamos' picture was already up on the wall. Every episode will feature interviews with the biggest actors, directors, writers, and producers behind your favorite films and tap into the history of Latinos in film. Listen to More Than a Movie as part of the My Cultura Podcast Network, available on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Big Take from Bloomberg News brings you what's shaping the world's economies with the smartest and best-informed business reporters around the world. 
Western nations like the U.S. and Europe. Mexico will likely have its first female president. And then you have China. And help you understand what's happening, what it means, and why it matters. He'll get his yo-yos to Europe in time. But the longer this drags on, the more worry he's getting. They knew that they needed to do this as fast as they possibly could to get a drug on the market as fast as they could. I'm David Gura. I'm Sarah Holder. I'm Saleh Mosin. We cover the stories behind what's moving money and markets. Basically, everyone was expecting, if not a calamity, certainly a recession. But the problem is that that paperwork, as our reporting showed, is fake. As someone who's covering the market, I'm often very worried about an imminent collapse. I'm thinking about it quite often. Listen to The Big Take on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. This is the Lombardi Line with former NFL executive Michael Lombardi. Now here is your host, Femi Abebefe, on VSEN, the sports betting network. Become a VSEN Pro subscriber today and get a daily email recapping all the best bets from our show hosts and guests. You'll also get unlimited access to our vsin.com slash picks page. Sorts picks by sport, matchup, event date, and more. Check the top VSEN experts leaderboard to view betting records, profit, and ROI and see which VSEN expert has the hot hand. For VSEN Pro picks, betting splits, power ratings, plus 24-7 video access, become a VSEN Pro subscriber today. Sign up now for only $9.99 at vsin.com slash subscribe. Welcome back. This is the Lombardi Line presented by BetMGM. Femi Abebefe alongside Michael Lombardi. We'll continue our NBA Finals discussion in the next segment when we welcome in Mo DeKeel from Bleacher Report and The Athletic. I do, I do want to take one more victory lap here, Michael, on my over nine and a half assists. I mean, that was, I don't think I'm going to have an easier bet all, all, all season than that one. I mean, that was 10, 10 assists well, at halftime for my, for my guy Jokic. That was yeah, fun. Yeah, that was awesome. <laughs> that was fun. I, I just thought, I thought to me, Stormy and I talked about it yesterday. I just felt like, you know, let him have his, mm-hmm. but don't let the other guys have their big days. And it kind of was interesting how it unfolded as I saw it watching it. It was Gordon. Nobody can guard Gordon. There's not enough size to guard Gordon. There's not enough size to handle Porter. And so it wasn't about, you know, let let Jokic have his. It was about we just don't have good matchups on some. They're just bigger than we are. And what can we do? And one thing we know about the NBA is when you could shoot over a guy, you know, it, it becomes a little bit of a, an easier uh, an easier story to to tell. So, yeah, hats off to you because I thought that they would try to allow him to score, and yet they really – Gordon took over the first quarter as if no one can stop me. I'm curious to see where the books put that assist prop at for game two. If it's going to be 10-and-a-half or, or juiced over, something like that, maybe we could see that to try to uh, adjust to – What's happened in game number one on Thursday? So t- ten and a half minus one forty-five on the over is what our producer Elliot Bowman is telling us. So uh, that is a, that's a, 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 definitely an adjustment from from the nine and a half that we saw yesterday. But we'll get to the NBA finals coming up next. But let's talk about the NFL here, Michael, because the big yeah. news out of the NFL today, obviously DeAndre Hopkins. It was a week ago today. The Arizona Cardinals released the three-time All-Pro wide receiver. And now we're hearing reports, something that you've mentioned on our podcast, the GM Shuffle podcast, which you can go ahead and get uh, subscribe, rate, and review wherever you get your podcasts, that the Buffalo Bills might not be as much in love with signing Hopkins as the perception because Hopkins sounds like he wants uh, a lot of money to go ahead and sign here as we're sitting in the month of June here. So what's kind of the latest on Hopkins and his free agent search? And it appears, at least at DraftKings, that we might have a favorite who has emerged for his services. Well, let's go back to when Baltimore was really interested in Hopkins or Kansas City was really interested in Hopkins and Buffalo was interested in Hopkins before Odell Beckham signed his contract. A lot of people were interested in Hopkins, but they tended to walk back because they heard he wanted more money than his $19.4 million or some guarantee of all that $19.4 million. And when Beckham did his deal, which is essentially a $16 million a year deal on a one-year deal, Basically, Hopkins said, look, I'm not going anywhere for less than this deal. And so that became hard for the Cardinals to trade him. So the reason the Cardinals couldn't trade him is, A, nobody wanted to take the 19-4 on, and B, he wasn't willing and didn't have an agent at the time to renegotiate his contract. 
So, yes, it was a week ago that he was that he was released. He was told he was released. He literally did not show up on the waiver wire until Monday. That transaction on Monday then allowed him to hire Clutch Sports, and they can go out there and start shopping the deal. But as they shop the deal and Buffalo calls, and he's looking for that Beckham contract, which has a chance to get to 17, and I'm sure Hopkins is saying, give me a chance to get my 19.4 back. Everybody's saying, wait, wait, no, 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 no. We can't make that work. We're not going to make that work. Now, one team that could make that work are the Cleveland Browns, who are, I think, at that point where they are with Kevin Stefanski and they are with their organization, that they have to show promise and they've got to show people that Deshaun Watson is the great player that they gave up three number one picks to acquire. And adding Hopkins does make sense. So I think that's why we're seeing the betting odds go. So last Saturday, when we were doing the Lombardi line Saturday morning, the Cleveland Browns were 30 to 1 to be the next team to sign DeAndre Hopkins. They're now even money, the favorite, <laughs> six days yeah. later to go ahead and get Hopkins. Buffalo's still at 3 to 1. Kansas City's at 4 to 1. Then you have New England and Houston. 10 to 1. Dallas and Baltimore are at 12 to 1. But it really sounds like all the smoke is coming from Northeast Ohio to where maybe we get that Hopkins and Watson reunion, which could help out a Browns team where there's not a whole lot of patience out there based on the contracts that have been doled out over the past couple of years. Well, I mean, look, you know, the New England's not paying 15, 16 million, so you could eliminate them. I mean, there's mm -hmm. a lot of teams that aren't going to pay this money. And so will the Browns pay this money? I think the other thing that moved this market, as we've seen – these markets, especially when it comes to players, moves because of press conferences, because of perception. And Deshaun Watson was interviewed. I don't know. He was at a charity event, and he's you know openly expressed his love of the of the the Andre Hopkins. Which why wouldn't he? But there is some underlying factors with the Andre Hopkins. He doesn't practice. That's kind of been documented. It's hard, hard on a team, hard on a young team. So when you take him on and you pay him all this money, you're buying some problems. And are the Browns willing to buy those? Are The Bills are, are probably willing to buy them, but they're not willing to buy them at $15 million. Same thing with the Chiefs. Nobody wants to buy a tough problem and then have to pay for it as well. I mean, last offseason, Cleveland didn't have any issues buying a pretty big problem with their quarterback. <laughs> so. Maybe that'd be another destination for Hopkins there. You mentioned how these teams don't want to go into that route. Is it a fact that they can't do it with the salary cap, that, that money is just too much, or they don't want to make it work given that Hopkins is now 31 years old, or I believe, yeah, 31 now, and is kind of comes with the baggage that he comes with? Well, we've learned through the, through the salary cap, you can make anything work. Mm -hmm. I mean, the Rams proved that. Yep. But here's what happens. If you do what Baltimore did with Odell Beckham and say, okay, we're going to give you $13 million to sign and we're going to spread it out over seven years and your cap number is going to be like, but then you eat the acceleration next year. And even though the cap goes up, that acceleration prevents you from extending another one of your young players. Are you willing to spend $12 million of cap debt tomorrow for Hopkins today? I think that's a fair question that fans would say, oh, absolutely do it. He's a great player. I'm not sure every NFL team wants to do that, and I think that's what's the holdup. Well, looking at the AFC North odds at our show sponsor, BetMGM, Cincinnati right now is the favorite, plus 120. Baltimore's plus 240. Cleveland plus 375. Pittsburgh 6-1. to one. If the Browns do indeed sign DeAndre Hopkins and they add him to Amari Cooper and Donovan Peoples-Jones and Elijah Moore, where do you think this Cleveland team goes from there? Like, Is this an AFC North contending team or are they just a wild card team in the AFC? I think they are an AFC contending team. In fact, we, we discussed this on Monday about they have value as a team that can go from worst to first, you know? Mm -hmm. It's interesting Every, you talk about we disrespect the Denver Nuggets and Miami Heat. Can Pittsburgh Steelers get any more disrespected? <laughs> I mean, they, they won more games than the Browns last year with the rookie quarterback, and yet they're 6-1 to one and the Browns are 350-1. to one. I mean, think about that, Femi. I mean, you know, they, were, they got better as the year went on. The Browns didn't. But this, this Cleveland team, with the addition of Tomlinson, with the addition of Zadarius Smith rushing off the edge, and I think the addition of Jim Schwartz, I think certainly will help them. 
Now, if they added Hopkins, will it move the number? No, it's not going to move the number. Will it help him on third down? Perhaps. It'll help him in the red zone, jump balls. Will it help Watson? That's the number one question. Yeah. You know, we could talk about all the Hopkins stuff. We can talk about everything else. At the end of the day, if if Deshaun Watson doesn't play anywhere near the level that he did in Houston, if he plays closer to the level in Cleveland, this team isn't a playoff team. If he can duplicate his Houston performance, then they've got a much better chance. But remember, one of his best seasons in Houston was before he got traded and they won four games. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that, that, that was not a good season for the Houston Texans, which kickstarted him wanting out of Houston. I do think, though, if he can get back to that level, I think this is a team that's right there on par with Cincinnati and Baltimore, you know, because like he was playing at a, like a top 10, top five level at quarterback, yeah. and they have a really good running game, offensive line that's capable. You have now you have these wide receivers with Cooper and Hopkins and Moore and Peoples-Jones, and that defense is built to play with the lead, like you mentioned with Miles Garrett and now Zadarius Smith on the other side kind of going after the quarterback. This is a team that can really kind of take another step up if Watson gets to that 2019 level or so. Well, I mean, look, successful NFL teams, they have great – here's the components they have. They have a great quarterback, mm-hmm. check Cleveland, if he plays like he did at Houston. Yeah. They, they typically have a playmaker at running back, Nick Chubb. They've got skill. They've got rushers. they got corners. they got two number one picks at corner in Ward yeah. and Newsom. I mean, why not? If it doesn't work, it's going to be Stefanski's fault because it's set up to work. Yeah, they certainly have the potential to get back to the playoffs and be a team that can contend for the AFC North. Mo DeKeel of Bleacher Report and The Athletic joins us next to talk the NBA Finals. This is the Lombardi Line with former NFL executive Michael Lombardi. Now here's your host, Femi Abebefe on VSEN, the sports betting network. Before you make your next bet, be sure to visit vcin.com to check the current betting splits data. Want to know where the money and bets are moving every game? The betting splits page is updated with DraftKings odds every 10 minutes so you can see changes in all the action. Find out where the public is betting based on the number of tickets and where the money doesn't match the public opinion. You can check out not just today's action, but future events as well. Betting splits are another way. VEASAN is here to make you a smarter, better year-round. Check out today's betting splits for every game at vcin.com. Welcome back. This is the Lombardi line. Michael Lombardi out in New Jersey. Femi Abebefe here hanging out in Las Vegas. And joining us now, our next guest, Michael, because we always grind the tape with the football stuff. I know that you're always watching the tape there. I value your opinion on the football gridiron tape, but we just kind of casually watch basketball and are fans of the sport. So let's bring on somebody who grinds the basketball tape, a former NBA video coordinator for the Clippers, the Spurs, and the Australian men's basketball team. You can now read his words over at Bleacher Report, and you can listen to his podcast at The Athletic. It is Mo DeKeel joining us here on the Lombardi line. Mo, we appreciate you taking the time to join us here this morning. Uh, what were your big takeaways from last night's Nuggets win in game one of the NBA Finals? I mean, before we start, thank you guys for having me. Um, the biggest takeaway, and it's it's the worst analysis in the world one can make. They got he got to make shots. <laughs> like it's got it's the worst analysis. I don't need tape for that. We all none of us do. You know you can't. I mean the the shots that they were missing were wide wide open shots. I mean the the shot Struce missed at the end of the first half where Bam kicks it to him. There was nobody within eight feet of him, and he missed it. So I mean like obviously that's the easy analysis right there make shots but the reason why make shots matters and there's a little more deeper thought to it it allows them to set their defense up mm-hmm. all of those opportunities Aaron Gordon got on the smalls when he took Gabe Vincent to school got matched up with Max Drews when he backs down Caleb Martin a lot of those opportunities happen off of missed shots and it allows him to run down the court and get an early post up get a quick easy possession and I think that's an important aspect of it is in that their offense is going to help their defense. And that's the most important thing there in terms of them having to make shots and, and knock down those things. And then the other thing, other most important and most obvious thing for everybody is that guy number 15, pretty good. <laughs> yeah, yeah, really good, right? Really good. Yeah. I don't know if you have an MVP vote, but he would have had mine for sure. I, I mean, I, I mean, he is really good. You know, the guy that did shoot well was Highsmith. He shoots seven for ten. I'm with you completely on the not shooting well. But do you think we'll see more of Highsmith in in this rotation? I know, I know, Miami doesn't tend to overreact, but Highsmith has given them energy 
it, it, down the stretch here against Boston and now last night in the second half. Yeah, no, I honestly, I think they beat Boston in game six if they play Highsmith. They didn't play him in game six. He gave, uh, they, he gave him great minutes in game five. Didn't play him in game six, and then he gave him good minutes in game seven, and, and he was great in this one. And he he played a, a – it's one of those things where he was probably just not – didn't pay attention to the moment and went to work. And I wouldn't be surprised, and this might be a bit of a stretch, I wouldn't be surprised if he finds his way into the starting lineup because he's at least got the girth a little bit where they can put him on Jokic and hope he can hold him up for a little bit and allow Bam to kind of play the free safety role and allow him to rotate over – and that way they can kind of try to double Jokic that way. But the he's got to get more minutes. I expect he will. I don't. I might be extreme in thinking he should probably be entered into the starting lineup. But I think they got to start finding more and more ways to get him into this game. We're speaking with Mo DeKill, NBA analyst over at Bleacher Report and The Athletic there. Mo, it's interesting because we talked about the size advantage that Denver has. But with all the adjustments that Miami could potentially make here, do you see the Heat being able to make this a long series? Sounds crazy after just one game. We don't want to overreact, but can they make this a long series, or is this Denver in four, maybe even five games? I My prediction to start was Denver in five. I don't see anything to really change that. Uh, the just it's the size difference, just to say it doesn't really describe it. I mean, we're talking about, you know, Max Drews trying to guard Michael Porter Jr., and I think that's about like five inches. Right. Like he's not even going to see him when he gets up and rises up for his shot. And Porter didn't even shoot the ball all that well. And I think that's the other thing that people aren't understanding about the, this game for the Nuggets. They didn't shoot it particularly well. They only scored 104 points. And it wasn't necessarily because of great defense, although the Heat did play well defensively. They also missed shots. And I think that's something that we got to kind of be aware of. And then at the end of the day, look, man, they're playing Cody Zeller. Like, let's just be honest. They're playing Cody Zeller in the NBA Finals. You're not supposed to be in the NBA Finals if Cody Zeller is getting rotation minutes. You know, it's funny because, I I mean, if I said to the most casual fans who shot it better from the three-point line, Miami or Denver, they would say, oh, you know, Denver by far. And Denver shoots, what, 29%? They, they, if you're a Denver fan, you're saying, look, we'll kill these guys. If we shoot better, we're, we're going to really expose this. I, I'm agreeing with you. I just think it's a hard – there's not a lot in Spolster's toolbox to go to. We could say shoot better, yeah, but if Denver shoots better, how does that work out? You know, it's a one-for-one right. swap. It, it becomes a challenge, and – I, I just think to me that makes it really hard. I think the I think the one area that the Heat have to do a much better job of is they actually have to attack. They have to get to the free throw line. And I think that's yes. I mean, obviously, right? Like I'm not a genius. They only shot two free throws. And their offense is predicated on getting to the free throw line, getting three point looks. If you're not making three point looks and you're not getting to the free throw line, you're not gonna win games. And I think the two guys that need to be much better, and it's going to be funny with one of them. But Jimmy Butler, he looked like he was passing out his shots a lot. He had opportunities, I thought, at layups, and he had a, and, and instead would kick it out. And I felt like he's looking pretty labored. Like, he hasn't looked the same since about halfway through that Boston series. And the other guy, and even though Bam had an unbelievable scoring night, 26 points on 25 shots, that's not going to do it. And he's got to attack Jokic in the paint. There are too many times where he would get into Jokic's body and then go to a step back. Get into his body, go to a fadeaway. Just go with the floater and things like that. He needs to finish through Jokic. It can't be a step back. It's got to be step through Jokic and get to the line. And you got to put some fouls on Jokic. He can't go through a game where he only has one foul. Yeah, no, I 100% agree with that there. It feels like with all the answers that Miami might have, Denver might still have all the counters because we saw that in the last series with the Lakers. Lakers, they typically live at the free throw line. Didn't matter. They got swept <laughs> against this Denver yeah. Nuggets team. We do have some breaking news in the association, Mo, and because we have you, it just so works out. We want to get your thoughts on this one. The Phoenix Suns have just hired NBA champion head coach Frank Vogel. It sounds like it's a five-year deal, $31 million. Woj and Shams all reported it there. What are your initial thoughts there on Frank Vogel now going to the Valley of the Sun to coach Devin Booker and Kevin Durant. Okay, this part's going to be a little bit mean, but thank God it's not Doc Rivers because I was so worried <laughs> when his name was mentioned as a front runner. So I'm just taking it right there first. That's the first reaction. But the, the real reaction is Frank Vogel is a very good NBA head coach. He's not flashy. He's not glamorous or anything like that. 
but he is a very rock-solid NBA head coach. And when you go watch what he did with that Lakers team when they won the championship, they were a solid defensive team. And that's where it's got to start for Phoenix. They got to play defense, and they got to defend. You have Devin Booker and Kevin Durant. You got to add a couple more pieces there, but the offense will take care of itself. Give it to those guys, right? And it'll, <laughs> it'll, 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 it'll tend to work out. Yeah, they need more pieces and more shooting. But defensively, they need to be put into a defensive system. And I think Frank Vogel's the right hire for them. I think it's a very smart hire. And I think that's an important start, you know, for them to kind of move forward into this new, with the new ownership with Matt Ishbia and, and everything that goes with it. Hey, hey uh, Mo, so you mentioned Doc, and I couldn't agree more. I don't even know how Doc gets interviewed. But the reality here is that Nick Nurse now comes to Philadelphia, and I watched his entire press conference today, and all they talked about was how they're going to get through the second round. No one asked if, if they were going to get in a bead in an elite shape to be able to compete to the second round. And what are your thoughts of the Nick Nurse hire? So I'm um... – this is just going to be me being so negative, but I'm, I'm not a Nick Nurse fan. I think, you know, the funny thing is he's replacing Doc. He's going to ride the championship in Toronto the same way Doc rode the championship in Boston. I think that's going to be the, the thing there. I don't think he's he's a very smart and intelligent defensive coach. I think he leaves a lot to be desired offensively. I feel like he doesn't do a good job putting them in offensive structures and things like that. And maybe you could say the same with Frank Vogel. Just, hey, just you have Embiid go to work, assuming they bring Harden back, you know, they could, they can, the offense will figure itself out. They kind of have that system there. I'm not sure he's the guy, but I'll say this, and this is the important thing here. I wasn't really thrilled with all the, the coaches names that were out there mm. that were available this year in this cycle. And I think that's kind of one of the harder things for these teams. It's not like a clear, clear upgrade over doc. I'm just not a Nick nurse guy. I don't know if that's going to be the guy that really takes you that far. Uh, beyond what Doc did. Mo, we got about 20 seconds. Do you like Monty Williams going to Detroit? I do. And, I mean, besides the outrageous number that he got, and shout-outs to his agent because I need to make a phone call to that guy. Um, the more important thing is I think Monty does a great job building culture. And I think that's what he did when he first got to Phoenix there. That team, remember, when he got there was losers. And now they're, they're, they're a team we're looking at possible championships. I think he can do that in Detroit with those young guys. Awesome. He is Moe Kill. Check him out over at Bleach Report and thank The Athletic. Man, hope to talk to you soon, buddy. Be well. Oh, thank you guys Thanks, for having Mo. me. Good stuff there from Moe Kill. We'll react to it and also see who's light years ahead in the NFL as we sit here in the month of June. Buzz is, is coming up. We got Buzz. Oh, we yeah. need Buzz. <laughs> There are some things that are too good to keep a secret. Like how your Amex Platinum card helps you have the perfect trip. I'd like to check into the Centurion Lounge. Or how it seems like you always get those hard-to-snag tables. Ooh, yum. And how you get the most out of select can't-miss events. With access to the Centurion Lounge, Resi Priority Notified, and Amex card member benefits at select events, you'll have to share. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. More Than a Movie is back with season two of the award-winning film podcast, and this time with a lot more movies. I'm your host, Alex Fumero, and each week I'm going to talk to the people behind some of my favorite movies. From The Godfather, Andy Garcia. He has the smarts of Vito, the temper of Sonny, the warmth of Fredo, and the coldness of Michael. To the OG spy kid, Alexa Penavega. You had Carlo Gugino, who's the coolest mom ever. You had Antonio, who's handsome, amazing, charismatic. And then Carmen and Juni. I felt like a lot of other kids felt like this could be me. To the legend behind La Bamba, Lou Diamond Phillips. When I walked in, I didn't think I had a shot at Richie because John Stamos's picture was already up on the wall. Every episode will feature interviews with the biggest actors, directors, writers, and producers behind your favorite films and tap into the history of Latinos in film. Listen to More Than a Movie as part of the My Cultura Podcast Network, available on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Big Take from Bloomberg News brings you what's shaping the world's economies with the smartest and best-informed business reporters around the world. Western nations like the U.S. and Europe. Mexico will likely have its first female president. And then you have China. And help you understand what's happening, what it means, and why it matters. He'll get his yo-yos to Europe in time. But the longer this drags on, the more worry he's getting. They knew that they needed to do this as fast as they possibly could to get a drug on the market. 
as fast as they could. I'm David Gura. I'm Sarah Holder. I'm Saleh Mosin. We cover the stories behind what's moving money and markets. Basically, everyone was expecting, if not a calamity, certainly a recession. But the problem is that that paperwork, as our reporting showed, is fake. As someone who's covering the market, I'm often very worried about an imminent collapse. So I'm thinking about it quite often. Listen to The Big Take on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. This is the Lombardi Line with former NFL executive Michael Lombardi. Now here is your host, Femi Abebefe, on vSEN, the sports betting network. BetMGM, an official sports betting partner of the NHL, laces up with a playoff parlay insurance offer. Place the same game parlay of four legs or more and get back a bonus bet up to $25 if you miss one leg. Enjoy the playoffs like never before with BetMGM's daily promotions, boosted out specials, and parlay selection features throughout the postseason. Log in now or sign up and opt in to get back up to $25 in bonus bets if one leg in your same game parlay falls short. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly and offer resources to help you make appropriate choices. Visit BetMGM.com for T's and C's. 21 plus new customer offer. All promotions are subject to qualification and eligibility requirements. Rewards issued as non-withdrawable bonus bets. Bonus bets expire seven days from issuance. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Mississippi, Nevada, and New York. Welcome back. This is the Lombardi Line presented by BetMGM. Femi Abebefe, Michael Lombardi, hanging out here on a Friday morning on the West Coast, Friday afternoon for our friends out east. Joining us in 15 minutes to start hour number two will be Vinny Maiulo, Hall of Fame Ozmaker at the South Point Hotel Casino. We'll get to the NHL with our buddy Vinny in his usual time slot, 1 o'clock Eastern time, 10 o'clock on the West Coast. But, Michael, let's talk a little bit of NBA. We just had a Mo DeKeelon, NBA analyst for Bleacher Report and The Athletic. Great spot there from Mo, man. I love that. He, he came with energy, had his own perspective. That was that was really fun there with Mo. And, and, you know, and he wasn't scared to say his opinion. I mean, yeah. that's the best part. You know, I mean, it's like people say, well, don't take a shot at a guy. Well, he has an opinion of Doc. He had an opinion of Nurse. You know, we all have opinions of different people. We might as well say it. You know, if you see it, say it. Yeah. Well, what did you think of his opinion of Nick Nurse? Because Nick Nurse had his introductory press conference yesterday in Philadelphia, met with the media. And I feel like the hire has been met with a lot of optimism from Sixer fans. I know you sounded optimistic when we talked about it on the GM Shuffle yesterday. Encouraged, I think, would be a really good word to describe how you felt. But uh, Mo was kind of a little skeptical about what Nurse could do on the offensive side of the floor. Likes him on the defensive side, but offensively, I think he's a little bit worried about his sets there. This hire has nothing to do with scheme. This hire has nothing to do with offense, defense. This hire is about player development, and it's about connecting to one guy to get him in elite shape to be able to handle the rigors of the season. What Nurse said at his press conference was to be prepared to handle May, April and May to get to June, Mm. which is something – that Mr. Embiid has never been able to really handle, whether it's been injuries or conditioning. So this isn't really, I mean, I appreciate what Mo said, but this isn't about scheme. This isn't about offensive sets. This is about connecting to your best player, the MVP of the league, and getting him to play at a level of conditioning that allows him to not go from the three-point line to the three-point line to be able to let him get into the pro low post where he's not exhausted in the third and fourth quarter. To me, that's what it's about. It's also about developing young talent, whether it's Jarrett Springer, the kid they drafted in the first round from Tennessee who was the all-G League player down there again this year, or Paul Reed. It's about allowing the youth of the team to come to the forefront if they're capable. To me, that's the issue. And Nurse has a track record in that area. So for me, I'll look at this with a, a kind of a, a tepid eye and say, okay, let's see what you do. Because what's the most important thing if you're the head coach of the 76ers? It's getting your best player to play, to be in shape. That is the problem. That is the issue. Well, the Sixers, of course, the last few years have been hitting their head on that second-round ceiling. Nick Nurse was asked about that by the Philadelphia media yesterday. Here's what he had to say. You guys have mentioned the second round too many twice already, and I, we're going to hit that head on. Like we know, like we're going to we're judged on how we play in the playoffs. Like it was the same in Toronto that 
we hadn't we hadn't played that well and and certain players hadn't played that well and all those kind of things so the reality is that's that's the truth so i would imagine from day 1 we're going to we're going to talk about that and that we're going to try to attack that that's a 2 month long journey and you got to be better at the end of those 2 months and you want James Harden round. back pardon me do you want James Harden back James Harden's a great player that yep. didn't answer the question well i would say this is that um uh James has a decision to make and um I'd be very happy if he came back. <laughs> Coach Nick Nurse, he, he's becoming friends with our buddy Howard Eskin. Uh, Howard didn't waste it. <laughs> you wouldn't, you know. I mean, I mean, that's really kind of an unfair question, though, because Nurse has no control. Howard yeah. has the opt-in or opt-out. He's not going to say he doesn't want him back. You know, I thought he, you know, he handled it in the best way that he can. I, I think the better nobody asked the question is, what's your plan for Embiid? How do you make mm -hmm. in, How do you make your best player better? We all talk about this, you know, it's like we all hit this, you know, it's what we are what in Buzz Lightyear season in the NFL. I mean, how many more times are we going to pick up the paper and say this guy's I mean, CJ Stroud's lighting it up down in Houston. Yeah, I mean, right. I didn't know they had a game scheduled. <laughs> you know, I missed that. You know, everybody's lighting it up. And so to me, you know, that that is what. It's got to be the conversation. You got to get your other players. You got to get your elite players to play at a different level. I hate, I hate, hate, hate all this conversation about the second round. No, it's not about getting through the second round. It's what can we do to become a better team? And once we do that, talking about the second rounds wasted. So it's mm -hmm. in the most insignificant thing. It's it's because people don't want to look past the obvious. What do we have to do to improve this basketball team to no longer worry? That's the most important thing. It isn't we got to get past this because once you get past the second round, are you happy now? Of course you're not happy. <laughs> Hang the banner. <laughs> Hang the banner once you get to be. Yeah, we're the, the second round champions. Oh, my God, we won here, you know. <laughs> Parade down Broadway. Uh, no, It's interesting, though, because Nick Nurse talked about how, hey, I was in this spot in Toronto where we had guys who didn't perform in the playoffs. We hadn't been able to get over the hump. And he's talking about DeMar DeRozan, Kyle Lowry. Now, DeRozan, they traded him in that deal for Kawhi Leonard. I think that helped bring in Kawhi Leonard to the Toronto Raptors. But I think Lowry in particular played much better in the postseason because before Nick Nurse's arrival, Lowry was kind of known as a playoff kind of choker a little bit. Like, he didn't perform up to the level in the postseason. And they were able to kind of, with the help of Kawhi Leonard and, and then Pascal Siakam's able to take that next jump in terms of developing and stuff, and they ultimately win the title there. But I, I think with this Sixers team, the point that you make about Joel Embiid I think is a really valid point. And let me put it to you this way. Let's say Embiid is in excellent shape come April, May, and June. Is this Sixers team a legitimate contender to win the title? Like If he actually puts himself in that position and is ready to go and is in the Jokic shape, are they a t team that can go ahead and win the East? Yeah, I, I think he is because he is talented. When is when you when your conditioning meets your talent and you can play it at this level with consistency, and you can dominate the court like he's done. I mean, imagine how great Embiid could be if if he was in shape. I mean, he's dominating this league and he's not even in great shape. Think about that. Think about that. You know, so sure he could. You know, they could be. To me, that's their key. That that's their key. I mean, I, I Iverson took the 0176ers to the finals with I mean, I know they had the Kembe Matumbo, but you know, they they're interviewing a bunch of those guys in that documentary. Uh, most fans won't even know who the hell they are. <laughs> I mean, they have no idea who George Lynch is. They have no idea who uh, you know, Eric Snow, who Aaron McKee Aaron is other McKee. than when he was the coach or I wouldn't even recognize Eric Snow, you know? So, I think that's the key, right? You got to get your best players to play at the high level. That's the challenge for Nurse. That's going to be the challenge for Vogel too. Is mm -hmm. how do I get Durant and Booker to buy into these defensive concepts in Phoenix, and then get everybody to play along with them? It's about building the team. We focus so many at all. Well, we need a number two. We need a number three. No, we need a team. You know, and yet we watch Miami and we don't recognize what what we need. That's what we need. We need a team to come together. That's that's going to be Nurse's challenge in Philadelphia. And does he have the authority to hold players accountable? I think that's going to be the key component. Well, Frank Vogel, I think, is a really good coach. And the way it ended in L.A., I mean, things didn't work out with the Westbrook trade. And also, there's a whole lot of other 
factors at play in LA. You have like three pockets of voices. You have the genie bus pocket. You have the Palinka pocket. You have the clutch pocket. Like there's just a lot going on. It's not an easy LeBron job. To pocket. Be yeah. It's not, it's not an easy job to be a head coach for the Lakers. And I think we've seen that Darvin Ham did a terrific job in his first year doing it. But, but Vogel, he took the Indiana Pacers to back-to-back Eastern conference finals. He obviously won with the Lakers. Like, this is a winning head coach. I think he's going to be a really nice move there for Phoenix. Like, I didn't think Monty Williams was a problem, but maybe they just needed a new voice and Matt Ishbia wanted his own guy. But I don't think there's, like, a big drop-off going from Monty Williams to Frank Vogel. Like, this Phoenix team, if they can surround Booker and, and, and Durant with those pieces to build that team, they're going to be a contender out west and be among the favorites. Well, I mean, it's a little bit like we talked about you know, we haven't talked about Joe Missoula, but mm-hmm. one of the things, if you read a lot of the things that happened with Missoula is, you know, he's focused on offense and the players resent it. They want him to focus more on defense. Now he's coming back. He'll be a better coach, yep. but he's going to have to change his emphasis, which is what Vogel's emphasis is, defense first. Yeah. People say that M.A. Udoka was kind of the guy that gave the Celtics their toughness. Maybe it went out the door when he went ahead and left. Now the head coach of True. the Houston Rockets. Vinny Maiulo joins us next to start hour number two of the Lombardi Line. I'm Hannah Storm, and my new podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, chronicles my six decades in professional basketball, from growing up in the sport to becoming one of sports TV's first female broadcasters. Join me as I dig deep into the game's history, unearth some wild stories, and talk to my friends from the world of basketball, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley. It's been a wild ride, and now I get to take you with me. Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storm on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. More Than a Movie is back with Season 2. I'm your host, Alex Fumero. And each week, I'm going to talk to the people behind your favorite movies. From The Godfather, Andy Garcia. He has the smarts of Vito, the temper of Sonny, the warmth of Fredo, and the coldness of Michael. To the legend behind La Bamba, Lou Diamond Phillips. When I walked in, I didn't think I had a shot at Richie because John Stamos's picture was already up on the wall. Listen to more than a movie on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Saleha Mosin, and I've covered economic policy for years and reported on how it impacts people across the United States. In 2016, I saw how voters were leaning towards Trump and how so many Americans felt misunderstood by Washington. So I started The Big Take D.C., We dig into how money, politics, and power shape government and the consequences for voters. With new episodes every Thursday, you can listen to The Big Take DC on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.